and welcome, my friends, to the Rise to the Top, the number one show for mediapreneurs. I'm David Seitman Garland, all about helping you grow your audience, you know, help people make that bling bling. That's what it's all about here, whether you're an expert, personal brand, all that kind of good jazz, turning it into a badass online business. So great to have you here. Very, very excited about today's guest, uh, Linda Sievertson. And Linda reached out to me, and you know we, we've talked for a long time online, and, and she's got such an interesting business. What she basically does, in a nutshell, is that she's a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author, and really what she does is midwife's best-selling books. I love that term, midwife. So she's ghostwritten a bunch of best-selling books as well. And what she does, though, is she helps folks create awesome books and get them published and get them book deals, stuff like that. That's why she's known as the book mama. She does writing retreats. She does book proposal help. She does all kinds of different things. And she's created this really cool mediapreneur business doing it that way. So in this interview, it's kind of a, a dual purpose interview because I also know a lot of you guys are interested in writing a book or maybe a second book or first book, whatever it might be, 10th book, maybe if you're crazy. And so the first half of the interview, we kind of talk about her expertise. We talk about kind of publishing and and why mediapreneurs are uniquely, you know, in a good position, all of us, to be publishing books and why. We talk about that. And then we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of her business and how she kind of built her credibility and why she does these really cool in-person writing retreats and how she got started. There's a lot of really cool stuff here coming up right now on the rise to the top. Now, uh, before we get started, I do want to give a quick shout to our very special sponsor, Go to my PC by our good friends at Citrix Online. And, you know, I, I, don't you hate it when you're waiting somewhere? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, airport, restaurant, doctor's office, and you just feel like you're just sitting there forever doing nothing. Well, now the cool stuff is that with the Go to my PC, you know, with your smartphone or tablet, downtown's a new uptime because you can access your entire office files, you know, from your mobile device. So it turns any iPad, iPhone, Android, Kindle Fire, anything into your computer at home. You can edit and send files like at your desk. You can use any programs. Um, you don't even need to set them up on your mobile device. So you can use all the programs on your home computer, which a lot of people don't know about. Um, so very, very cool. Here's what I want you to do. Check out a free trial, 45 days on me, the rise to the top dot com slash go to my PC, the rise to the top slash go to my PC. And now here's today's episode with the book mama. All right, my friends, you have no idea, by the way, about the backstory about this interview. We played on like every single platform today because Skype was being weird and every, everything was literally being weird today, but we've got it down and now you're going to be in for a treat. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. So I am joined today by Book Mama, a.k.a. Linda Sievertson. Now, I could go either way. It's Linda Sievertson, a.k.a. Book Mama or <laughs> Book Mama, a.k.a. Linda Sievertson. So welcome to the show, finally. Uh, it's been great to have you on. We've had this scheduled for a while, and I'm, I've been so excited to talk to you about this. Thank you, David. My pleasure. Are you kidding? You're a blast. So, you know, well, I appreciate that. I'm just inflating over here. So uh, the one sentence here that describes you, and I'm, I'm going to read it out loud, is that you're a New York Times bestselling author who midwife's bestselling books, yeah. six and seven figure book deals, and leads monthly writing retreats. Uh, at Carmel by the Sea in California. So this is awesome. So not only do you write and create books, um, yeah. you teach this exact methodology to other people, um, really focusing on women. Now, I I'm curious about 
a little bit of the backstory here. We're going to talk a lot about books and different things today um, because actually I was just talking to our audience and I know there's a lot of people that are interested in doing a book or doing another book uh, in that case. What first got you into this? Like what first even got you into the book world in general? Did you grow up a writer? Like what, what, came, up, what came into your world? That's a good question. I, um, I was not a writer. I was somebody who always wanted to be a writer, and, but I didn't think I was smart enough. Um, I spent my childhood with a nose in the book and smelling books and thinking about books, but I really thought I was just the fun, athletic member of my family and a family of geniuses, and I didn't ha actually have a lot of faith in myself, um, which is, I think, part of why I love helping people do this, is because I know what it's like to feel that this is an impossible dream and a really intimidating world, and, and since I now know that it's so not impossible, and and it doesn't have to be at all intimidating once you know the steps. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. But, uh, you know, I just followed a dream, honestly. Um, uh, after college, I was I actually quit college three classes before graduation. And USC, I, correct? I was at USC, which I still love and uh, have season tickets for and, and go all the time. But I'm not yet a member of the uh, graduate class. And so I... Um, I quit and I was walking dogs for a living in Beverly Hills. Really amazing animals. And I honestly thought I had the best job in the world. I had, I had a part-time job at a bookstore. And I, um, I had this situation where I got kind of a tongue lashing from my little sister who had graduated from Berkeley and said, Linda, you're so smart and you're wasting your mind and my friends and I are all worried about you. And I was, I was hurt and I was pissed because I thought, God, I've built this great client base. Um, I was working for clients like Kirk Douglas and Kiefer Sutherland, and I had these amazing mansions I took care of and animals that I loved. And, and, but it was festering. It was bugging me. Those and, are some fancy dogs, by the way, right there. Those are some I mean, fancy I, dogs. They were amazing. I had a great life. I, you know, I felt like I lived a reality show before there was such a thing. I was taking care of Brandon Lee's cats the night he was killed on the set of The Crow. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, I knew Cato Caitlin. I, I, yeah, I helped Cato Caitlin move. Actually, my ex-husband helped him move into Nicole Brown Simpson's guest house. And I told him not to do it. I said, don't do it. You'll tend to get embroiled in the dramas of whomever owns the big house. Because honestly, that's what I had seen at a pet sitter, as a pet sitter all those years. So at any rate, um, I had a dream, and the dream came to me so vividly, David, and it told me six titles of, book, of books that I should write and gave me format and structure. And every night for about six months, I hid in the closet um, at like 3 a.m. and scribbled down everything I saw. I, I literally felt like I was taking dictation on my first book. Huh. And what was, what was your first book called? It was called Lives Charmed, and honestly, it was just interviews with those celebrities that I was walking dogs for. Um, I was just recording what I had seen, and they were all living very blessed lives, but they were doing certain things to succeed that were all similar. And once I saw that, it felt like a really a real natural thing to tell those stories, and they totally jumped on board and did the press with me, and it was a very natural process, honestly. Uh, very cool. So I, I want to talk about this book process in general because, you know, we, we were just talking to, you know, I had a book that came out in 2010. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people out there that aspire to do a book, right? And yeah. the process itself can be, uh, what's a good way of putting it? Uh, a little bit daunting in some respects and also a little bit kind of 
romanced, if I mean by that. You know what I mean? Like where you don't realize, you know what I mean? Like there's like that dream for a lot of people to do a book, but a lot of people don't end up doing it. Or a lot of them, or even people go through the process and they don't necessarily love it. You know, for you, as you kind of approached this and you did your first book, was it just kind of a figuring it out as you go? I mean, my guess is you didn't have an agent or anything yet or how you approached it. I mean, was it just kind of immersing yourself and saying, you know what, I'm going to figure out the darn thing? Yeah, I, you know, I think because it had started with a dream, I really trusted that dream. I felt like there was something mystical driving me to do it. And I felt like it was a God-given gift, honestly. And then, and then splice in some real guilt about quitting college and some grandiose thinking like I really had to make something of myself because I had, quote-unquote, wasted my parents' money. And when I saw that the the degree that I didn't receive, which was in psychology, I, I had in fact finished all my psych courses and I had done really well because I loved psychology. When I saw that my my schooling could actually inform these interviews that I was doing with these celebrities because I was using so many of the empathetic tools that I had learned in school, then it was like, okay. Now I can justify having, you know, wasted all that money and now I can do good by by my education and I can maybe even pay my parents back for all of that schooling. So it was very driven, very grandiose about how this was not only going to help me and help my family but right the wrongs from my past and ultimately ultimately, you know, try to change the world because a sub a sub story of this is that I was interviewing celebrities about things like the incest they had experienced or the alcoholism or, or all these manner of crazy things that had happened in their lives. But really, I was interviewing people who were doing environmental work because my goal at the time was to help educate people about the environment at a time when green was not hot or cool. Uh, interesting. So your approach here is you, you, know, you do your book, you have your experience, and you know, through the years, because I'm going to fast forward, because we're going to talk a lot about just kind of like book publishing and, st and, and what's going on in general right now. At some point, you make a shift from, you know, not only doing your own books and learning this whole process, but teaching other people how to do it. You did ghostwriting, you do a lot of different things. And what you found a passion basically for helping others kind of what achieve the dream of becoming an author or what what's kind of the kind of the big thing here? Yeah, because I, it had taken me a long time to believe in my own abilities. And because I, I felt really like an outsider looking in for so long, and it took a long time for me to get a publishing deal because I was an unknown. Um, my agent got a lot of nice rejections, but they wanted bigger name celebrities than the ones I had. I always felt like I was sort of chasing this idea of success. And because when I ultimately you know, was able to get the book published, I was able to get on bestseller list, I was able to do national press. Um, when people started asking me for help and I was able to help them do what had taken me so long to learn, and then when they started getting book deals, I'm telling you, David, it was such a high. It was like I started to care far more about my client's success than I ever actually cared about my own. And, you know, I know what it's like to feel like the underdog. And so once I learned the tips and the techniques for getting this proposal done and, and this business plan that's so intimidating for people and helping people get before agents and publishers that I had ultimately made connections with and friendships with, um, it, it just was so rewarding for me to, to do it and that's why I continue to do it here you know, 12 years, 15 years later. Right, now I, I wanna talk a little bit specifics about you know, our audience, and you know this, you know, they're mediapreneurs, just like you are. 
Um, yeah. and, and what we mean by that is that, you know, they have a platform or they've built a platform or they're in the process. You know, some people are ranging from starting all the way to have, you know, seven zillion people tuning into whatever they're doing. Now, yeah. let's talk about the book issue right now. It's 2013 when we're doing this interview. Uh, a lot of the world of publishing has been changing, to say the yeah. least, over the last, you know, several years at least. Um, but it seems to me that mediapreneurs are very much positioned to do a book because they have a platform. Now, is that something that you you value as being important when it comes to, you know, maybe making a shift into doing a book for folks? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, it's so, it's so valuable to be able to go to an agent or go to publishers and say, you know, this person is not afraid. This person is out there blogging or doing uh, teleseminars right. or has a really popular website. Um, because think about it, it's a numbers game for them. The, all these publishers are just trying to pay their bills. And if they know that they're not going to have to educate somebody on Facebook or Twitter or on putting their, their information out in the world, they are so much more likely to have that person make money and spread the message. I mean, we're all doing it to spread quality info, but at the same time, we have to pay our bills, and publishers and agents are no different. So they see you as a more enthusiastic partner, frankly, if you're already out there starting to do these things. Right, and it's funny because we might even, as a kind of mediapreneur community, even take that kind of stuff for granted because we assume, right? I know this because I, you know, that like everyone is doing this or everyone's building a platform or everyone is dominating on Twitter and everyone's doing on Facebook. And you'd be surprised, I guess, from your world, I w we shouldn't be surprised that a lot of kind of aspiring authors, uh, as you said, even have to be educated on these topics. So, it, you know, it seems like it's, it's a nice, unfair advantage for us. It, it really is. I mean, at my last retreat, there was a woman from Alaska who she likes to just be with her sled dogs all day and write these beautiful things, but God forbid she has to put them anywhere. Right. And right. we had to wrangle her just to get her on Facebook. And it was funny because now she's on Facebook and now she can't stop Facebooking us. You know, she's so excited about it. But right, you guys have a huge advantage already knowing how to be technological in the world and not being afraid of it. Right. No, it's a good point. Now, here, here's something that I've heard, and I, I, I actually kind of experienced this myself as well in 2010, releasing a business book, was that, you know, if, if you're looking at publishing as a model where to get your ideas out in the world and also make money from it, that you're going to need something besides a book to do so. But, you're, but you know, I, I look at sort of your model, and you're talking about people getting six and seven figure book deals and different things like that. Is it not the case that you always need to have some kind of back-end business behind a book or or is it a case that you should you know it depends on the book I have a client Chrisana Northrup who just who sold her book nice six figures I'm not allowed to say how much to, to Random House um, she did not have a backup business she was working for a financial company at the time when she sold the book and the book sold for a lot of money and now she's working on the next one and she's done she has huge press partners with AOL and Lifetime and Huffington Post and Reader's Digest I mean so many groups and organizations have jumped on her bandwagon because her information is so good the book is called The Normal Bar it's about what's normal it's a survey so you can go and find out how many times the average American couple kisses in a week or how many times they have sex or whatever now that's a topic that a wide array of people are going to want to know about and you know you don't have to have another business to make that obviously seem like it's going to have mass potential um, but a lot of people will come and and they have 
um, a coaching business or they have some kind of a support business for people. Maybe it's a financial business. Right, usually, right. usually a lot of coaches, especially whatever kind of coaching they're doing, they want books. But um, their market maybe is, is much, much smaller, but a book is going to help their business just radically expand. So the two work together. The book helps the business expand because it gives them more credi credibility and talking points. It helps them get more media, certainly, certainly print as well as um, uh, TV. And then because they're, they're doing that, oh, again, I have to turn off my email, sorry. Oh, no, go for it. <laughs> so again, because they're doing that, um, that feeds, it feeds the business, it feeds more books, and it just kind of everything turns into one big, beautiful conglomerate. Right. Now, now let's say there's people sitting here in the audience today and they're thinking about like, they're thinking about doing a book and they're just like, they're at square one. We're in yeah. 2013. Yeah. You know, they're, they're sitting here and they're like, I don't know how to even think about this. How should I go about it? Where do I even get started? Like, is there any kind of, you know, advice or success, you know, mantras or anything you want to share with them that would kind of get them some, either some things to think about or to get them off on the right foot? Oh gosh, yeah, right. Just start writing. Write, write, write your heart off, heart out. And the reason being is, if you're not a good writer, it doesn't matter how big your platform is. It can be, it can be hard to sell whatever you end up, you know, publishing, whether you self-publish or get a publisher. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to be an expert writer either, because getting an, a ghostwriter or an editor is an, is a, is a pretty easy process. But just find out what it is that you want to say. Really start honing down your message. Blogging is a great way. A lot of bloggers are getting book deals right now because they're figuring out who their audience is. They're giving their audience great information, and then the audience is creating that platform, that demand. So it becomes that much easier to sell the book to a publisher. Uh, start start um, networking with other authors. I mean, one of the reasons why Danielle and I, uh, Danielle Laporte and I created your big beautiful book plan was to kind of outline all these different steps. But I would say the most important ones are writing, figuring out your message, and blogging. Those okay, are the, okay. those are the three. I, I think top ones. Now, here's the challenge that I see, and like I thought about this too, and I, I was telling you actually before we even start recording today that I, I was starting to get a little bit of the book itch again. Um, you know, yeah. and it's funny, and I haven't really had it for years, you know, or anything too much. And, you know, something that I, I want to get your opinion on this because it's not just me in this case, I know other people have this question too, is that I was talking with some friends the other day, and we're talking about broad versus specific when it comes to kind of books in general, right? Because yeah. As you know, online, right, specific sells when it comes to like a course or a like you have a writing retreat, very specific, or a big, beautiful book plan, very specific. I have a course on, you know, doing an interview show, very specific. But yeah. books, on the other hand, seem to vary, uh, but there seems to be the most, a lot of them are very, I don't want to call it very broad but yeah. broader than the way that we approach a lot of times internet marketing and online business. I mean, is that a fair statement or is that not necessarily, am I, am I kind of missing the mark there? No, I think that's a fair statement. What a lot of people do with books is you come out with your broad book first. So you come out with your book, soup to nuts on blogging. Let's say you're doing a, a blogging book and you're going to have, you're going to have stories about famous bloggers. You're going to have stories about specific blogs that, that were born. I mean, books that were born of blogs. You're going to have specifics about how to blog. You're going to put, kind of put 
a bit about everything related to blogging in one place, the history of blogging, where you think the future is going. And then you can get much more specific in follow-up books or in actual products that you sell. So, so the first thing is kind of your big overview with very specific specifics throughout. And then later in, in subsequent books, maybe it's a series, you go really in-depth about those different topics. So they start off as a chapter, and then maybe those chapters can become a whole book. Does okay, that make okay. sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And, and another note on that, in terms of kind of the, the success measures of a book, this was something that I struggled with big time in 2010. Um, and I want to hear your, your kind of opinions on this. People have a book come out, and they're going to sell X amount of copies, you know, yeah. come hell or high water, however they do it, right? Like, there's going to be X amount of copies sold. How yeah. do you measure kind of that barometer of success? I mean, of course, we still have the big lists and things like that today. But, you know, for me, I remember, you know, when my book came out and we sold, like, uh, I'm trying to even think of the specific numbers, like, let's call it, like, 5,000, okay? To me, I sat there, and I was like, do I feel good or horrible? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, meaning like, because there was like a barometer there that I didn't know. I mean, you hear books selling millions and then you hear that most books sell like 200 copies. So I, yeah, I was yeah. sitting there and then like, how do I feel about this? I'm not really sure. You know, that's, that is kind of the age old question in publishing. Everybody's got a different take on it. Um, I remember when my first book, Live Charmed, came out, uh, my, my first print run was 10,000 and I was, you know, doing media and talk shows and the whole bit. And the book sold out pretty quickly. And so I thought, oh my God, I'm a huge success, right? The average book in America sells 2,000 copies at the most. Okay, I'm a huge success. Now we're gonna go into the second printing and I'm gonna be a bestseller in about five minutes. And then what happened was, although I had already become a bestseller in certain stores, like the Bodhi Tree in Los Angeles, or you know, certain stores where I had done events or whatever, the actual, the lists, don't happen with 10,000 unless that 10,000 sometimes if that happens on a slow week and that's you know that those are really good numbers that week you actually can hit the big list with 10,000 but it's it's extremely complicated so then in my situation the press was done um, by the time the second printing got in stores so there was a big glitch and then this the sales were a lot slower after that so then I thought well now I'm a failure I mean it's just ridiculous um, what I have been told by some agents is that if you're a first-time author and you sell 7,000 copies, you're a success. You can be really, really proud of yourself, really happy, and consider yourself a success and know that when you come out with a second book sometime, if you've built more of a platform than you had that first time, and if you can kind of show that you'll, you're likely to sell more than 7,000 the next time, you're bankable. Um, but, you know, 7,000 copies when you're looking at 100,000 that your buddy sold, it's pretty intimidating, right? right. Your buddy, yes. buddy. What a jackass, right. right? Like, I mean, you know, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying there. Now, I, I want to shift gears a little bit here to talk a little bit about sort of your business because this, this is fascinating to me because you do something really cool. Um, you know, you establish yourself as, you know, book mama. And, you know, you started, and, and we've talked before, you started kind of the way a lot of people do in sort of the expert business, which is that you started with a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? Yeah. And, you know, as, as you've grown, though, here, and, and your website's awesome, I want people to check it out, uh, it is Kick Butt website, and, and it just really, it, seriously, and I, I'm hard on websites, so wow, um, something that I've noticed that 
you know, is very interesting that you do is that your core business right now is your retreats. Yeah. And it's an offline retreat. I mean, it's an in-person with Linda yeah. in California, group of ladies, hammering stuff out. Don't yeah. really know what you're doing, but I'm sure it's awesome. Um, <laughs> but, but bottom line is that you decided that the business model for you was to go that route. Uh, why is that kind of the model that you decided to go for? You know, that was completely accidental, David. Um, I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching for people. I would help people write a proposal. That proposal would sell hopefully for six, you know, once for seven figures. And, um, and I was busy. I mean, I had all the business I could take. And then ghostwriting my own, I mean, ghostwriting for people and then writing my own stuff here and there. But then my ex-husband decided to bail after 20, you know, 19 years of marriage and I was suddenly stuck with two houses, both, both underwater. And although I made a good living, it was extremely time intensive and I didn't make enough to cover our life. So then I had a real choice. It was like, okay, I love being a writer and hiding in my house and now I can't hide because I had been turning away already 95% of the people who came for me for help because one person can only write so much. You know, your, right, eyes, right. your eyes just get blasted. So then I thought, okay, well, what if I do one of those newfangled teleseminars? I didn't even really know what they were, but I thought, well, I'll look into it. So I, I called one of my clients um, and I, we had gotten a really big book deal and I said, would you be willing to blast your list if I create a sales page? And he said, sure. So he, unbeknownst to me, sends this letter out to his list saying that I was the um, secret weapon behind his, you know, best New York Times bestseller. Oh, huge. And, and so thankfully, David, I didn't have to do like those free calls you do. I immediately went into selling a four-week program. And the program was, you know, how to write a book proposal that's going to, that will sell. And I taped it. I knew enough to tape those calls. Um, and there were like 60 people on the call, and the call was $500, which saved one of my houses. I mean, that first house. Wow, yeah, it's 60, 60 people uh, for, for $500 on a call there. I mean, I am now a mathematician, but I believe that is $30,000. It was $30,000, and it saved my house. And wow. I'm telling you, this is at a time where I'm so brokenhearted, I can barely get out of bed in the morning. I have two books due, one for Hyperion and one for Simon & Schuster. I was literally ready to give up my career because I was so brokenhearted at the loss of my marriage. It was such a surprise sure, sure. that I, I had the choice, David, of I can expand or I can retract, you know, I can retract and I can lose everything, but I'll ultimately make it back. And I just thought, no, I have to expand. I saw my kid there and I thought, I've got to put him through college. I've got to figure this out. And the teleseminar just seemed like the only possible way to reach people Remember, I was already turning away so many people, so I thought, how do you teach a bunch of people at one time and make substantial money? It was the only way I could think to do it. And then I was just lucky, David, because I was on the phone with a guy who runs Ziosoft. I don't know if you've heard of that company. Uh -uh. But Ziosoft is a um, conference call line. And I was on the phone with him saying, you know, how do I do a conference call? I don't even know how. And he said, well, you do know, Linda, you're going to have to have a live event. Because a certain percentage of those teleseminar people are going to want to work with you live. That's how it always works. And I had no idea. And he said, and then you charge $5,000 for the live event. 
You keep it really intimate so you can really help them. You can really help these people ultimately get their dreams uh, realized. You can help them get agents. You can kind of hand, hand walk them through the process. And you'll, you'll continuously be, be busy and you'll make enough money to save your other house. Well, I thought he was crazy. But he said, don't worry, use my house in Breckenridge. I'll let you use it for free and just try it. Announce it on your second call. So I announced it and all of the five of the most beautiful women I'd ever met flew in from all around the world at, at 5,000 a pop and did this workshop with me and it changed my life because it was so much more fun working as a group, brainstorming together. I thought, oh my God, this is what that whole idea about alliances is, is all about. I had been aligning with one person at a time to write their book with them, which was painstaking and slow. This was aligning with five women to make their, and it just kept getting more and more exciting. And I just, I, I went back to Carmel, which is kind of where I was raised, and did it there. And it saved my sanity. It saved my life. It saved my business. It saved everything. Now, here's a few questions here. There's, there's going to be folks that are sitting here today, you know, listening to this. They're going to say, Linda, that seems pretty darn easy. You're telling me that you came in. And your first teleseminar was generating thirty grand, and then you were getting five grand for folks to come and you know go to this retreat and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, that sounds relatively unbelievable to me. That's what some people might say. It's believable to me. I I know I know it, but I'm telling you that what some people might say. You know, when these, how was that relationship formed? Meaning, meaning like, you know, when you first started doing these teleseminars. Yeah. Were these were these clients of yours already? Were these no, people? No. no, no. These were only from this one guy blasting for me. Okay, so he was That's a client. It. He was a client. His list was two hundred thousand people, and he was so he he was so grateful that his book had hit the New York Times list that he said, "This is who did it for me." So I have to admit, it was easy breezy for me to get in. But then to fill them later on my own was not so easy. Right. And I, here's what I learned, David. I learned that I had to provide really unusual value. I had to promise and then del uh, promise a lot and de deliver a lot more. And you talk about this. And so what I did was I worked really, really hard. I thought, what do, what do, what does that lone writer want? What is that woman or that man in the middle of the country who has no connections, no, no big friends? What can I offer that person that they can't easily find on their own or with other people? And to me it was, they need an in. They need an in with an agent. They need like the tips. They need to know all the things that took me so many years to learn. So. The tips are what I was teaching in that in that first teleseminar and the ones after that. But the people who were going to hire me after that to go or to go to a retreat with me after that, I made sure that I not only worked harder than I've ever worked on my own stuff to figure out what their what their real message was, what value they had that wasn't already in the marketplace or how to make it fresh or different, how to position them in such a way that brought out their best. And then who could I connect them to? What agents could I literally call and say, I want you to meet this person? I had to get them ready, and then I had to make that introduction. So, you know, my boyfriend, when I first met him three years ago, he's like, why are you spending so much extra time helping these people when they're not paying you for that extra stuff? And I thought, no, it's all part of providing value 
that's not easy to find out there. Right, right. And right. so, so that's point. what I would say to whoever it is that's listening to this right now who's not in my industry, but who's trying to provide value. It's like you say, give content, give, give things that are so valuable that, um, that you end up you know, really being successful in spite of yourself. Right, and what's, what's also interesting about the approach that you took, and there's no right way to do this, right? It's just whatever works, is that there's sort of that chicken or egg uh, philosophy of kind of creating you know, products or businesses or retreats online in the mediapreneur style, right? And so what I mean by that is style number one is that you uh, create a platform, right? Let's, let's just call it a blog, a podcast, a show, right? And you get up there and you, and you work your, your butt off on that thing and you grow your audience, and you grow that relationship. And then at some point you say, by the way, we're doing a teleseminar. By the way, we're doing this retreat now and stuff like that after you built that relationship. Right. The other approach is the uh, kind of opposite approach, if you will, which is you start with, I'm gonna do a teleseminar. Let's go find some people for it and then kind of build the platform almost a different way, like kind of sideways there. It, it seems like you are more in category two. Is that true or? or yeah, I, you know, I think it, I'm in both categories because I had a good reputation from books I had written or books I'd written for other people. So there was some real there there. Yeah, there was equity that you'd built up. Yeah, there was equity. So, you know, it is challenging to just decide, okay, I'm going to create a retreat without having some equity. That's a real challenge. But I would say I, I'm a big believer in build it and they will come. Um, one of my dear friends is a woman named Michelle Bobot. And some of you may know her as the founder of Bizu Bizu. And when she she was desperate, like I was, you know, David, there's something to said be said for being really hungry and really desperately needing to create good fortune for yourself. She had little kids. She had no money. She was going to have to go back to France. Desperately wanted to stay in America and just started designing clothes, even though she had never done it and didn't know crap about it. And, you know, she ended up creating the bodysuit and opening stores in every mall. And now she's licensed through JCPenney. And we laugh about that. I'm the same way. It's like I don't wait to be perfect before I go do something. You know, I was out there sending my manuscript to an agent before I knew you're supposed to write a book proposal. I just believe get it started. Get your stuff out there. I would say half the people that come to my retreats have ideas on like a napkin. You know, they have no idea what they're doing, but they're they're aching to create. And this this stuff is like playing in their head and mind and torturing them to get it down on the page. Those people are just as much fun to help to me as the people with big platforms because we can figure it out. Yes. If you've got the passion, trust that and get it started. And you know, as far as teaching a retreat, they're, they're, they can be really hard to fill. That is true. But you, if you offer so much value, sometimes you give, the, give some of the spots away or give them half off because you get those testimonials. When you get testimonials, then you start putting those on places to get people to trust you. There are ways to market yourself to, to, to help build things quicker than, than the slow route. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and it's interesting because like it, it's interesting to hear everyone's got a different perspective on that, um, you know. And I think it's 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 both have their own challenges. Sure. But I think that there's well, it's just funny because I I wake up every day with a different opinion about this. By the way, so it just depends if you get me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. Saturday, or Sunday. You know what I mean? And and, the, and really, what it comes down to is 
either way works. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like if you're going to start with one or the other, if you're not making money for a couple of years, you're at a huge risk factor, right? Because you're you're you better be doing something else, or you're going to be in deep trouble. You know what I'm saying? And and not everyone has that luxury of saying, you know, I'm going to wait two three years before I try to figure out how to make money from something. You know. And I right. think that could be a, a, a dampering point. And so it's a good point there in terms of kind of the approach you took. Now, I'm curious, in terms of your uh, book creating empire here, book teaching empire, if you will, as the mama, um, your children, if you will, uh, the different ways that you make money are basically, or your business model, are yeah. you have the writing retreats. Yeah. You've got a program you co-did with, Danielle Laporte, uh, your big, beautiful book plan. We're going to link up all this stuff too. Um, yeah. And that's what, a, a, a self-study course? Yeah, well, so that first initial teleseminar that I taught, that I taped, um, I ended up turning that into a program. And it was what it was was um, copies or samples of book proposals that I had helped work on or that I had written that had sold. And so it was a tutorial. Here's the proposal. Here's the here's six different hook pages. Here's why they sold. Here's all these different full about the author sections or competition sections so that so that my reader could read it and go, "Oh, that's how I do that." And kind of pull ideas from all these different examples that had worked. So I was selling that for a couple of years, but it it had become outdated. And one of the proposals that I loved in my program was Danielle Laporte's style statement. Um, I had done a polish for her on style statements. She's enormously talented. She didn't need a lot, but it had helped her get an agent. And so she had used, um, she had helped me by putting that, allowing me to put that in my program. So Danielle comes to me a couple years ago and said, or two years ago, and said, you know, Linda, your program is outdated, and I know I could really add value, and I could rework a lot of it with you and add a bunch of new proposals. I'm sure you have a ton of new proposals and we could give them the best thing out there on, on how to get a book deal. And uh, it took me like one second to say yes. She's one of my favorite people. She's the most beautiful writer of anyone I know and, and can sell like a mother effort. And so I just knew there would be no smarter alliance. And again, this is back to when you're talking about how do you get started, you know, don't always think you have to do stuff by yourself. I had a really strong ability to get people published, but I didn't have near the marketing capacity that Danielle Laporte has. So it was a no-brainer for me to think about aligning with her. So what, what started off as something we thought would be simple wasn't, because we both decided, since when we got into it, we got so excited. Her big friends were giving their proposals. Some of my big clients who had just sold big book deals were giving us their proposals, and it got a lot bigger than either of us thought. So we ended up putting everything we could into it for a couple of months. I mean, we literally acted as if this was a big book with Random House and um, did audios and just on and on and on, and, and that's what we created. So that is the least expensive thing I have that I, that I sell. It's $150, whereas my, my retreats are much, much, much more expensive. But I figure you have to have that in your business. You have to have the entry-level thing that people can afford easily, which is the big, beautiful. And then, you know, only a small percentage of people are going to be able to pay the big fees to work with you privately. But at either end, then they can work with you. Yeah, and, and it's funny, and I, I totally agree on that. I mean, like Seth Godin has said stuff before, you know, I've seen on his, you know, site where he puts like, hey, you want to work with me? Here's 20 ways. And it's like, buy a book, you know, read this blog free. 
right? right. That's the first thing. And he's like, then you could buy a book, 1995. You know what I mean? Then it's like, you know, you could get this DVD series. It's like a thousand or something, or nine or nine nine hundred ninety five. Then you could go to a live event that's five thousand. Then you got this thing is ten. So I understand there's it's always a kind of a scale, and I totally agree with you too. There's always a percentage of people that want that very high end. If you're doing it right, you know what I mean. There's a percentage of people that want your you know quadruple platinum premium platinum special gold silver. <laughs> special program sapphire yeah. do you know what i mean and like there's always folks that want that and so you know i feel like people negate sometimes those fringes of the market there you know well and i understand why you know for years i never i honestly never would have done the live retreats had this guy not given me his house for free and said you have to do it just try it and you know it, it started off obviously as a money maker i was losing my home and i needed to do that it, it, it has completely changed. Now it's like I look forward to the retreats probably more than anybody because it's, it's communing with people. We don't have as infopreneurs sitting at home by ourselves. As a rule, we're not having a lot of engagement. It's like, especially as a ghostwriter, I'm working really in depth with one person and it can be a little crazy making. You're stuck inside all day long. You know, I've got my dog. My boyfriend doesn't get home till six every day. It's a little, it's a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Oh yeah! And, oh my God! And I cannot wait every, you know, four to six weeks to get in my car, drive up the coast, go hang out in the most gorgeous house overlooking the Pacific, and meet these five women, or now four. I've made it smaller so it's more intimate. But and meet these four women. I'm going to spend a week with with a chef, and we're going to do nothing but cry and laugh and and you know strategize for each other. They strategize for me just as much as I strategize for them. It turns out there is no other area in my life I get that level of connection outside of you know a family reunion every four years. Right, getting that getting that FaceTime in. So I want to wrap up here, Linda, on a few because we could go on forever, but I, I think we should just have you back at a different time. We could go on even more stuff. But um, I'm going to make sure to link up uh, the retreat. I'm going to make sure to link up your your big, beautiful book plan, which is a mouthful for me to get out, but I will say your big, beautiful <laughs> book plan um link up the website as well is there anything else because you know there's people that I, I know in our audience might be interested in this and they also probably just you know we're gonna have people that just want to check out your marketing and your copy i'm sure as well uh, while they're at it um so i i will link those up um kind of any any final things you want us to shamelessly uh, link up for you or any any kind of final thoughts here for our, our audience you know i'm getting into more blogging i love writing about how to help authors and um I, I've scaled back my business a bit so that I can do more of that, and that's free. So just, you know, maybe come to bookmama.com and sign up for my newsletter, and, and you'll get a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Book Mama. This was awesome, as always. Thank you, David. You're wonderful. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode with the Book Mama. She's awesome. She's a rock star. Lots of stuff we covered in that interview. I hope you enjoy it. You know, if you love it, would really appreciate if you share it with your social media peeps. Hop into the comments section. Always keeps us going, keeps us motivated here on the rise to the top. Uh, and a reminder, by the way, a couple things. If you're not already and you want episodes like this with, you know, mediapreneurs sharing their story and their expertise and stuff like that, and then also my short DSG TV videos, make sure to sign up at therisetop.com slash VIP, free and we'll get them right to your email for you. And also, if you have been building and hustling and creating that audience and you know, you're wondering how can you create 
promote and profit from your own online course. I'm going to be sharing the exact secrets that took my course last year, Create Awesome Interviews from Zero to Six Figures, so that you can copy it, you can know it, and you can do it for yourself. So make sure to check out the risetop.com slash courses. Enter your email there. Got lots of stuff coming out just for course creators. So uh, if that's of any interest of you, definitely go over to the risetop.com slash courses. And finally, again, uh, one final shout out on the way out to our good friends at GoToMyPC, turning anything, basically, other than like a rock, um, into your home computer so you can work from anywhere, no downtime. Uh, com slash GoToMyPC, 45-day free trial. Make sure to cash in on that. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland. And remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do. Go pet a bunny.